So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and and to work for his good pleasure. The word of the Lord. We are in part eight of our series in the book of Philippians, a series that we call Koinonia which is the Greek word that means fellowship and partnership. Um, this is the third message, I know it's part eight of the series, but the third message on this text, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through, well, today, inclusive of verse 13. Uh, 13. And let me just say this. If you were not here last week or in, in, because you're either a guest or you just missed out last week, and you did not hear last Sunday's message. It's an especially important one um, because I explicated this theology, a very crucial piece of theology that's in verse 6 through 11. And I want to urge you to go onto our website or, um, or go, you know, go to our podcast and listen to that particular message. I think it's one of the most important messages I, uh, I have ever preached in, in, in our church and probably ever, maybe ever can preach in our church and um, it's important background for today, so it, I, I'm not going to try to s- summarize. Uh, and today is a self-contained message, so even if you didn't hear last week's message, um, you won't be lost today. But um, I, I, will, I do would like you to urge you to hear last week's message. But let's get at it today. Um, today's message I've in, in, entitled, The Glorious Workout. Because of what, he's, what Paul says here, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. It's a very, very famous passage, and that's pretty, I'm pretty much going to sit in that, pass, in that verse today. But before I sit in that verse, I let, let me reread this according to the way um, I was teaching last week. Uh, I, I, I had certain portions about this famous, this famous teaching about Jesus which is really an encapsulation of the gospel and how Jesus took what was marred in human beings because human beings were made to be in the image of God, in the likeness of God. But we're always trying to grasp after equality with God. That's what I talked about last week. We're always trying to grasp after equality to God instead of imaging God and being in his likeness in the way that he intended, not grasping after his power, but reflecting his holiness. I'm going, to, I'm going to read this again, um, kind of the way I translate it, because there are certain words that don't really come across properly in, in English. I'm going to read this again, and I want you to hear the flow of the argument. And this is from basically the latter portion of uh, verse 5, you know, moving into verse 6. So hear this again. Jesus Christ, who though he was in the essence of God, he is God. <laughs> did not count equality with God something to be grasped, to be grasped like a forbidden fruit, which is what Adam did. It did not count something equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He emptied himself, 
taking on the essence, the very essence of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. Let me put it this way. Being born in the image of man. And being found in human essence, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a horrific, most humiliating thing there's ever, ever been awfully invented by the wicked man, mind of man called the cross. This is why. Therefore, because of this unbelievable piece of humility, this incredible piece of obedience and servanthood, that is why God has highly exalted Jesus and put on him the name that is above every single name. Greater than any name, any king, any emperor, any movie star, any rock star, any rich person, any president, any Nobel Prize winner. The name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow down in heaven and on earth and under the earth, which means everywhere. Every corner of the galaxy in the universe will bow down to the name of Jesus. Think about that. The absolute vastness of the universe will bow down in the name of Jesus because of this. And every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is the exalted, incredible Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. Now therefore, now listen, now therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, here's the verse, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's where this verse comes from. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God, he works in you both to work, to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let me get that to some three parts. Part one, how God works. Because this is what it says. You, we're supposed to work something out, but it's because God is working. Not because it's just, it's, I just got to do it, because it's just a law and a duty that's placed upon our back to break us. No, 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 no. Actually, it is an incredible, glorious pathway, which God is already working. So, but, so how is God working? It's important to understand. There's a lot of misconception about that today, both certainly outside the church, but also inside the church. How God works, part one. Part two, working out holiness. Working out holiness, because that's why we were made to be an image of Christ, because our image of God in us, in our humanity, has been marred by the way we grasp after power and equality with God, not seeking humble holiness the way Jesus did to restore humanity. So working out holiness. And part three, the glorious humility and obedience. Um, part one, how God works. Now let me say um, a few things. It says work out your salvation. Now um, there are certain people who seem to have a very, like they hear salvation, they only understand one thing. <laughs> But salvation, when the, when the, when the way the Bible uses the word salvation, there's sometimes nuance to the word. Sometimes what salvation means, it's the, the thing that Jesus Christ did once and for all. We are saved. It's a done deal. Jesus paid for our sin on the cross. We're forgiven once and for all. You're saved. Boom. That's it. It's done. It's a past tense thing. It happened to you in the past. It's completed. Absolutely complete. That's one way the Bible talks about salvation. But there's also another way that the Bible talks about salvation, and it's different. It's not a once and complete. It's an ongoing thing that's coming out. It's emerging. And this way, salvation is more like a seed. It's, it's a life. Inside of a living seed, if you put it in the ground, and then life will start to emerge out of it, this is salvation. Salvation is like a living thing that's coming out and emerging in us. And that's what he's saying. Here in this passage, it's the latter way of thinking about it. 
It's very much true that if at one point in your life you, you recognize that Jesus is the Son of God and you need to surrender your life to him so that he would pay for your sin and give you new life, that's a once and for all done deal. But that also people just think, okay, I, okay I, I've been saved, and then that's it. And then they think there's nothing for them to do. <laughs> Actually, there's plenty to do because there's a life. There's a life that's emerging that, that wants to come breaking out of you. And this is the way that Paul is talking about salvation. Work this thing out of you. Bring it out. So that's the first point I want to say. There is something tremendous and glorious, a life that wants to break out of you more and more and more to make you the whole person, to make you beautiful with holiness, to bring you into the full totality of imaging and being in the likeness of God, not grasping after his power, but having his character, having the beauty of his character the way God intended and made us. This is the way he wanted to fill the earth and bring glory to creation because he wanted, let me put it this way, little gods everywhere. That's what he wanted, little reflections. It's kind of like he wanted God juniors. I know that's kind of strange to put it. That's why we were conformed into the image of Christ because in who is, who is, who is Jesus? He's the son of God. I mean, this sounds a little strange way of putting it. He's, he's God Jr. But, of course, he's equal with God. He is God. And he's made us like him. So this is the thing that's breaking out of us. Actually, salvation is for divinity to break out of you through holiness. This is what's being worked out. Now, let me say a second thing. Um, there is a very big misconception about, about salvation by grace. Now, um, for a lot of people, if I say that salvation is not by works that you earn, then that, a lot of people then think, well, that means I don't have to do anything, right? <laughs> I don't have to do anything. But everybody, in one sense, knows that just cannot be true because all Christians go to church. Uh, Christians are really active people. <laughs> they do a lot of things. In fact, some of the busiest people I know are Christians because they're busy wanting to serve and make a difference and contribute in other people's lives. I mean, there, there are so many Christians I know, they, they have a 40, 50, 60 hour a, a week job, and then they pour another 5, 10 hours a week into their community, another 10 hour weeks into the church, and, and then they pour out you know, special and quality, quality time into their children, and they do it willingly. So obviously it's not about doing nothing. It's this idea, but because... For so many people, if salvation is by grace, then it's not by works. But then they just think that if it's not by works, then I don't have to do it. Because then the only way you can think about salvation is you have to earn it. But actually, the passage says quite the opposite. It is not something that you earn. You're supposed to work it out because it's already been given. It's already being powered in you. God's already acting in you. And so you should run to it. So in one sense, so... Let, let, me, let, let me put it to you this way. For some people, um, it's the only way to do something is, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. You know what that is? That's called works righteousness. It's on me. I have to earn it. Ugh. So then you feel this incredible backbreaking thing. And then, of course, you, you burn out. You get jaded. You look down upon other people who don't work as hard as you. And as soon as you see any of that happening, you're jaded. You look down on other people. Uh, let me assure you, you're not working out your salvation. You're only working out your works righteousness. <laughs> but then the other, the flip side of that is, there's a whole bunch of people who are saying, okay, salvation's by grace, so then that means I don't have to do anything, right? And so you have all these very passive, lazy, so-called Christians because they go, I don't have to do anything. It's all by grace. But all they're really doing is practicing their salvation. The glory of the holiness is not coming out of them. It's just the nastiness of their salvation, which, and they're using this doctrine of grace to make an excuse for their sin. That can't be it either, right? So, but both people, this is strange, both people are not believing that God is at work. That's, a, that's the problem. You know what the fundamental problem with both mentalities is? Lack of faith fundamental problem with both folks is they do not believe the truth of the gospel, which is that Jesus Christ 
has redeemed you, God is at work. God is at work to make the glorious humanity something more like the true and the true new Adam, Jesus, come emerging out of you, the salvation being worked out of you. So let me give you a, a picture of this. Um, what is it like for us to work out our salvation? I, I, I've been thinking all week about how, how to picture this. Have any of you ever seen um, something like this happen? There's a father, and he has a, he has a little boy. <laughs> Maybe the boy's three. Maybe he's four. And... Um, the boy starts doing things that his father does. When I was a kid, um, my father, we had a big old piano in, in, in our living room, and my father was the piano player um, at our church. And um, my mom has pictures of me banging away on a piano when I was four years old. Yeah. Um, you ever see a son put on his dad's hard hat or walk away at his dad's computer? He just, he just wants to join in the activity and the work of the things that make my dad. My dad is the greatest man there is. And so he just wants to run to it. Is it because he has to? No, because he wants to. He gets to. Huh? And, then, and then his father says to his son, son, come over here. Come over here. I want your help. And what does the boy do? He, he jumps up. <laughs> he jumps up. He runs like, what? What is it, dad? And, and he goes, here, here's, here's, there's this, I have this heavy, there's this box, and it's heavy. I, I, I want your help. Help me come lift it. And the, boy, and the little, the three-year-old, the four-year-old boy comes to this box, and the, son, and the father and the son go to this thing, and the, and the son, and you see the boy, with all full determination, give his heart to come lift this box up with his father, and he pulls up. And then the father lifts it up, they lift it up together, and then, of course, sometimes when you watch this thing, we think it's a really cute. That's cute. That's so cute. <laughs> That's so cute. Look how, how hard he's trying. And then, and then afterwards, he's, he's proud of himself, and, he's, and he runs back to mom, and he gets encouragement from mom. He gets encouragement from older brothers and sisters. And um, in one sense, let me ask you this question. Who lifted the box? Did he lift the box? Let me tell you something. He did. How much did he help? Um, pretty much dad did most, pretty much all the work, right? But why does a father do that? Is it because he's making fun of his son? He's mocking him? You're so weak. You're so nothing. No, actually, it's not that at all. It, a good and wise father will do that regularly. <laughs> will do that regularly for his child. Come, join me. Help me. And the, uh, the boy is, is, is doing this thing, but actually he, may, he, may, he, doesn't, may, he can't quite realize it, but actually he, he, why does he go do it? It's, it's strange because if the boy said, yo, son, go, go over there and go do that thing. Go pick up that heavy box. And, and then and the dad doesn't move at all. Would the boy go run to the box? Of course not. Because he would say, I, I, can't, I can't do that, dad. <laughs> It's just too big for me. It's too heavy for me. But as soon as he sees his father says, come help me, come join me, it's another story altogether. The, the boy will run right to it. Won't he not? And is he rightfully proud? I think he's not, it's not a joke. He's rightfully proud. Because what is the father imparting to him? You're valuable. I want you to begin practicing putting your gifts, your skills, your contributions that which is special in you, and come and serve and bless other people, because that's what I'm doing. When this box needs to be moved. I'm not just doing it just because I just, heck, just feel like it. It's going to serve somebody else, this room, this, this space, and I want you to come help me do it. And I want you to see this. Um, there's something really wrong in the way our culture parents a lot of, of children. And we think if we're going to be good parents. We have to do things for them. And then what do we do? We replace them. That's what we're doing to a lot of... Little Johnny, you can't have any suffering at all. So mommy has to come along and do it for him. Okay? Little Susie, she can't, she can't do it. So daddy has to come along and do it for her. And he effectively replaces her while she sits down on the couch doing nothing. 
And so because we're trying to pamper our children so they have no suffering whatsoever, we replace them, and then they grow up not ever having faced it. Maybe, maybe the father will say, come lift it, and he doesn't use that much of his strength, and the son has to like, oh gosh, it's heavy, dad. And he goes, okay, he goes, all right, come on, come on, pull harder. And he, and, he, and he begins using his might, and then the father kicks in his strength so that he can watch his son push and put his power into it. This is what's going on. It's going on all the time. You just don't believe it. I don't believe it. We don't believe it. We don't see it. Because we don't believe that God is actually at work. God is with us through the Holy Spirit. He'll never leave us because Jesus has fully washed us with his forgiveness, with his grace. This is what's going on. That's what this passage is saying. Work out. Let me say one more thing before I go to part two of my message. It says something else. Work out your salvation. Okay, this is part's not fun. In fear and trembling. Oh, in fear and trembling. That's kind of scary. It is not, it is scary. Um, there may be things that God asks you to do, He commands you to do. There may be places and people He, he calls you to serve, and it may be hard. Truly, He'll ask you to lift a heavy box. And it may be hard. Why does he do this? Maybe when you go there, it'll incur cost. It'll hurt you. Um, let me make two points about this. Number one, when you go suffer the cost, you'll become more like Jesus. The cost and the suffering is, is a test. <laughs> is a test of whether you can be more like him. It'll, it'll place you through a ringer to become more like him. Because it is through the suffering and of the cost that God showed us, he's like, that he will become truly, humbly low to bless and serve and love others. <laughs> Most of us just don't really want to bless and serve and love others, or we'll only do it this much. <laughs> Long as there's no cost to me. <laughs> Which is another way of saying our humility is this much. Our love is this much. Our holiness is <laughs> this much. <laughs> Even less. Hmm? So, in order to make us more like Christ, he does this. I'm like, wow, that's that's not fun. Okay, let me give you another reason. The fundamental poison that Adam bequeathed to us into the first humanity, which is we're all born into the first humanity, and then the new humanity of Jesus is pride. The greatest theologians of all time is Augustine. Augustine read Genesis chapter 3, and he said that when Adam grasped that fruit, he wasn't just grasping after a peach. I know, you all think it's an apple, but it might have been a peach, okay? He, he wasn't grasping a peach. He was grasping godness. I, want to, I don't have to follow your, I do not have to trust your wisdom. I want to be master over my life and everything. He grasped after godness in power. What was that? It's a reach of pride. <laughs> I have insecurity because I'm not enough like God. Last week I talked about this. Pride. I'm so great. I grasp the greatness. I'm so empty. Insecurity. Both forms. I'll fill it myself. He grasps up to pride. You know how pride is taken out of us? By being taken... You and I, all of us, we all need to be taken down into a weak place so that we receive God and the Holy Spirit. Holiness, the true beauty and imaging and likeness of God, if you ask me what's at the core center of it, it's right here in this passage, verses 6 through 11. Jesus 
the essence of divinity came into the essence of humanity through humility. Through humility that sought obedience and trust in God. That's where it is. We all don't, we're not there. Oh gosh, we don't all want to be there. And so what do we do? We have to work it out because sometimes God will ring us through a place of suffering, fear and humility. So that's, that's why there's a place of fear and trembling because we all have a poison of pride that needs to be wrung out of us. If you get cancer, sometimes you know what you need? You need chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is painful. Um, there is a chemotherapy unto holiness. And sometimes, let me say to you, if you will run away from working out your salvation, your chemo might get really, really painful because if God loves you so much, he will not let poison stay within you. He'll move you. If you don't want it, he will move you to the chemotherapy of life, a pretty serious piece of suffering, because maybe that's the only way you'll ever get humility. And this is actually just as a pastor, let me just make this comment before I go into um, part two of my message. Um, I, I've noticed this is the way a lot of people come to faith. You get into your 20s, you start making money, your career starts chopping along, you meet this person that you think is going to be the love of your life, you buy your dream house, you, you, you seem to have this perfect kid, and then your marriage starts going south. And then one of you gets sick. And then there's a downturn, a recession, and, and then one of you gets laid off, and you lose your house. And people are shaking their fists at God because, that's, because they've been, all their whole life they've been reaching after equality with God. I'm going to be master over my universe and I'm going to be comfortable and everybody's going to serve me and I'm going to live a great life. But here, your life is so wrung out with pride and entitlement. And then actually, all these things that are happening in your life, you think it's just because God is mean and God is not loving, but actually, He's loving you. He's loving you. Moving you toward humility and need of Himself. Last week I quoted um, a legendary pastor who, 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 who I deeply respect, a guy named Jack Miller. And Jack Miller said it this way. He says, Jesus knocks on your front door. And then Jack goes, but then do we open it? No, actually what we do is we lock the front door and then we shove up a bunch of furniture up against it so Jesus can't get in. And then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into our life through the back door. And then the Holy Spirit sets fire to the basement. And when the fire, the house is burning down. Oh, my goodness. There's only one fireman. It, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. Get the furniture out of the way. You're pulling the furniture out of the way. And that's called working out your salvation. <laughs> Get it? Because in fear and trembling, sometimes that's the only way we will run to Jesus. Working out your salvation is running to Jesus in humility to submit to Jesus. Obey Jesus, because everything Jesus tells you to do is a balm and a healing unto holiness. Hmm? Part two, working out holiness. Ah, okay. Work out your salvation. I've been thinking all week how we can talk about this word work out without it sounding like a, like a, ugh, this thing that I don't feel like doing. Now, okay, um, you probably don't feel like working out, but actually all of you can relate to the idea that if you want a strong and healthy life, there needs to be some working out, right? If you sit on your rear end all day long, especially because your job makes you sit and type at a computer, you know, you get carpal tunnel. You, you got to even just do things to your arm. You sit on your rear all day long and this thing just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you get this, this, like, you get this tire around here and you, you're, you're jamming the throw donuts down your throat and bagels and cars and you get type 2 diabetes and, I mean, you, you're going to die. You're literally dying. You and I, we're all literally dying from our lifestyle. So we all know you want to have a good, joyful life. Um, there needs to be some workout. And some of the workout, you're working out health. 
You're working out joy. You're working out a beautiful life. That's all this passage is saying. It's not trying to tell you to make you do this chore. Go do your chores. Eat your, eat your vegetables. <laughs> eat the broccoli. Eat the broccoli. It's good for you. That's not what the passage is saying. It's saying, run to Jesus and this glorious thing will come out. And, and I'm trying to get you, that's all we're doing. If you just eat certain things, it's, it's, you're working out. You know that, that, I don't know if you think about that as working out. I think of it as working out because it requires, oh, okay, eat the spinach. And I'm starting to actually learn how to enjoy spinach. Broccoli, it's never going to happen. Okay, it's like, that's never going to happen. Okay, but, but spinach, cool. Okay. Um, and, and we go. Some of you go to a gym. Some of you just walk in the neighborhood, which I think is great. I think it's, it's incredible that we, we spend lots of money every month to walk on a machine that takes you nowhere. <laughs> and let, let me walk. And when, when you can do that for free, especially in, 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 our, in our part of the country. <laughs> in our part of the country, it doesn't get that cold. You can do that workout for free, you know? You don't have to pay anybody. So you can be poor. It's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, lifting heavy things. It's like you need a special machine, go do it. But there's heavy things around your house. You can lift those things. There's ways to do it, okay? Um, but all these things, so what is the way, let me, let me give you a couple of keys in, in language that we, we, we uh, 21st century people that pay money to go walk nowhere do, okay? Um, so uh, what, when, when, you, when you go work out, you know kind of what you don't want. What are we trying to get rid of? We're trying to get rid of fat. We're trying to get rid of unhealthiness. We're trying to get rid of like junk stuff that, that we eat and put into our bodies. You know, we're, we're trying to get rid of, of just tiredness and no energy. Those, and when those things start to come out of you, you start having more energy. You, you know you're running towards strength. You, you, you actually, you're getting stronger. Your stomach is getting fit. Your body, you can run farther, you can walk farther, you can lift more. You know you're having power and strength. Health, a good and beautiful life is starting to come out. This, you can know these things. You're dropping the fat and the unhealthiness. And power and strength and beauty are starting to come out, right? This is all what we desire. What, what is that in the spiritual life? There's a similar thing in the spiritual life. What it is, is it's pride. We're dropping the pride. The meanness, the grasping after the divinity, but then going after the, the proper way of divinity. And when it starts to come out, it'll, be, it'll come out in humility. Self-forgetfulness. I don't have to think about myself because I'm not constantly looking at myself. That's actually real humility. You know, you, don't, you, don't, you just don't even think about yourself. And if somebody laughs and makes a joke about you, you think it's funny too. You're like, because oh, I, I know I'm silly. That's hilarious. That's really funny. And you actually laugh just as hard as anybody else, if not more, because you know you're more ridiculous than they know. You don't mind. You know, I've got a little flab and stuff here. That's pretty funny. And you don't get so hurt and so angry. And you don't compare yourself constantly. That person's got the skinniest stomach ever. Mine's, I've got a kind of a bit of a tire, but actually, this, this self-forgetfulness coming out of you because you're so, because God is at work, and you're fully secure. This is what it looks like. You can feel this way. You can feel this way, and you start being this way. The salvation is being worked out. It's coming out. That's when there's real power. This is the equivalent of you're getting stronger, fitter, healthier, more endurance, joy. And what is the activity? Ah, okay, because there needs to be something to do, right? The quality is humility, self-forgetfulness, and ease of joy to serve others. That's the quality. That's the character that points out. But what is the activity? You know what the activity is? Ah, here we go. It's obedience. Obedience of God. He's always at work. He's calling you, follow. Come to me. I got a heavy box to lift. Come join me. <laughs> I'm going to go do this and, and, and do these things for other people. Come join me. Obedience. <laughs> um, 
we have this ministry in our church, which is tremendously important, and only a certain percentage of you are taking advantage of this. Uh, if Pastor Young and I had our way, every single one of you would run to this. And it's called our small group ministry, but we have a name for it. We call it Gospel Life. This thing we're talking about is Gospel Life. This is the glorious, humble, divine life of Jesus Christ. It's the Gospel Life. That's what's being worked out with our salvation. That's what we're working out all the time. And, this is, and we're asking you to do things. In, in, in the book of James, so Pastor Young, when he shares the vision, and, this, and when, we, when he trained up um, our small group leaders, he basically taught two key pieces of Scripture. And these two key pieces of Scripture really basically just go right along with what I'm teaching you now. And the two pieces of Scripture are one, are James chapter 4, that is, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And there's some people go, isn't that works righteousness? No. (laughs) Because when James saying that, it's the same thing as Paul saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, or is God working in you? But when James says it, he's saying, if you will only be a hearer, but you will not actually do what the word says, then this is the way he puts it. You're like a person, you go, you look at yourself in the mirror, and then you just walk away and you forget about it. Do you do, you do that? Who does that? <laughs> we all look ourselves in the mirror. Why? Because we want to see, is there something that, that kind of needs fixing? Because, hey, if you just looked awesome and glorious all the time, why bother looking at yourself in the mirror? Everybody's just looking at you. I'm glorious. <laughs> why do we go look in the mirror in the first place? We go look in the mirror to find out. It's like, oh my goodness, that is one nasty zit. I've got to pop this sucker. <laughs> because I do not want that big white globule like staring out in the whole world so the whole world is like, oh, I feel sorry for that person. Right? Um, or if you know, you're, like, you're like, oh gosh, that's just this part, I, I missed a spot. I should shave it here. <laughs> You understand, or like, I didn't realize a nasty piece of food is just sitting right here, and you're walking around, and they're like, hey, <laughs> I see what you ate for lunch. It's hanging right there off your nose. And so, but this is what's going on all the time. <laughs> when you go to the Word of God, you know what the Word of God's saying? Hey, there's something on your face. <laughs> there's a really nasty zit there for everybody to see. <laughs> Isn't that kind of, you know, And then the word of God says, now, then there will be a command. There will be an obedience, which is what? Unto your blessing. But James says, you go and look in the mirror, you hear the word of God, and then you just walk away. But that would be just so dumb. That makes no sense. Actually, hearing the word of God is to see who you really are. And then there's an obedience. Why? To bless you so that you become more of who you really are. I'm intended to be who God sees you as who you are. And the other piece of scripture that Pastor Young teaches, so one is be doers of the word, not hearers only. That's what we're working out. We're obeying and applying the power of the gospel, the word into our life, so we become more the way God gloriously wants us to, to be and has always intended us to be. But the second scripture that Pastor Young likes to teach is, he, he refers to, you, you, you all know the miracle that Jesus did. There were 5,000, and then there was a meal. And you, I, mean, I don't know how many of you know where the food for that meal came from. A little boy came forward with his lunch. His lunch, I guess it couldn't have been only his lunch, was five loaves of bread and two fish for 5,000 people. And of course, you look at the task... And, it's, and, and, and the thing you got is so small. But what did the boy do? He, he said, Jesus, I got some lunch. And then Jesus took that lunch and fed everybody. <laughs> and doesn't that sound a lot like when a father says, here's a big box. Son, why don't you come here and help me pick it up? And if the son can see the father also stand up and go to the heavy, crazy, ridiculously heavy box, which has no chance to lift himself, then the son runs to the box, right? So that he can put in his, you know, tool, you know, like, I can lift my five pounds. Daddy will lift the other 95 of this box. The son has no chance of lifting a 100-pound box, 
but daddy can lift 95 and he'll let you put in all of your might to lift your five. Put in your five loaves and two fish and trust that your father is working in you. He'll help you lift the box. In fact, and don't even be scared when your father says, lift that box, please. And you're like, um, it's a mountain. <laughs> I don't think I could lift thousands and thousands of tons. Father, he says, I'll help you. You believe it? We're working obedience. And in our, in our gospel life families, really, this is what we're all asking you to do. The word is given here. I'm giving you the word right now. <laughs> this is God's word, not dumb Susan's word. It's God's word from his infallible pages, and it's going to you. You can just say, oh, that's just religious talk, and then just go home. But if you heard a, a, a good description of yourself, pride, cynicism, works righteousness, spiritual laziness, then I just gave you the mirror. And then we gather together in our small groups. We call them gospel life families. And then we just ask you to put in a little five loaf, and heck, not even a five loaf, half a loaf and a little piece of fish because Jesus doesn't even need more than that. And then he says, I invite you. Come find out. Pastor Young and I know that was the more and more we do this, there's going to be some incredible things that happen. We know this can happen. Why? Because we believe this. We believe this word. God is at work. You guys are going to come into this. We're going to sit in the living room, 8, 9, 10, 12 of us, or some of you are going to sit in this room, literally in this room, 8, 9, 10, 12 of you. You're going to parse out what you heard on Sunday, and then you know, we're, we're going to ask you to put in some small little half a piece of fish, a half a loaf of bread, and eat that food that week. And some of you are going to be like, well, I guess I'll do it. And some weeks it won't seem like much. I did something. I don't know what happened. I, I don't think anything happened. And then the sixth time you do it, you're, you're going to watch God lift a, a mountain before you, and you're going to, wow, I did this thing, and God showed up. And then you gather together and say, you can't believe what the heck happened. And then the other person goes, really? <laughs> There's going to be somebody else in there going, the other person is still cynical. You, you were cynical for five weeks, and now the sixth week, <laughs> you're going, that was crazy. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 happened. That was crazy. And the other person is going to go, really? <laughs> really? Because they've been cynical for six weeks. <laughs> Disobedient for six weeks, you know. You know like zits are off, like honking off their face, and they've done nothing about it. Just like James 4 says. And then they're going to be like, huh, okay. And then week 7, they're going to try it. They're going to try it. And God will work. That's going to happen. And it doesn't, it's not going to look like much at first. And we're going to do it. And we're going to do it. And we're going to do it. And as we begin to obey, incredible things are going to happen. We're going to change. The salvation is going to be worked out. It's this working out is going to happen. Let me conclude my message. The glorious humility and obedience. We're, we're asking you, we just put this simple pathway so that we can walk through the Philippians 2, this Jesus pathway together. Please come to small group. It's going to be really exciting. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's already starting to get exciting. It was kind of like herky-jerky. There's a lot of zits, you know for the first six weeks last summer. And then some people started going, whoa, whoa, it's, it's already starting. It's already starting. Um, I always want to ask you, before you look at yourself, I know you're going to hear the word of God. You know what you need to hear most of all? Who is Jesus? Because if you look at yourself, only in yourself. You know what you're going to see? Nasty zits. 
horrific pride, disobedience. It's there. It's there, isn't it? That's what I see when I look at myself. Um, I sometimes hear people say, Pastor, when I really heard you, I, I, gosh, man, that really made me feel like the word that starts with S-H. <laughs> and they go like, wow, that really, that really got me, Pastor. And I've heard people say that to me. And, I, and then they, they, they feel happy because the word really like wrenched them in their heart. But I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I sit there and go, oh, so you saw the really horrific zit on your face. And then you walked away. Actually, when I get happy is when I said, when you were talking about Jesus there, especially towards us, it was crazy. I, I wanted to go run to him. That's when I get happy. <laughs> you want to see him. All this week, you should read verse 6 through 13. <laughs> you should read that every day. <laughs> you should read that for 365 days if you want to see Jesus. You must see him. He who is in the essence of God put himself in the essence of man. He made himself nothing. He emptied himself unto utter humility so that he could obey God and give us the true humanity, which is the true divinity intended for us. And just think about this, okay? Just think about this. This is Jesus. And this is all just Christianity, the center of Christianity. Here's Christmas. Christmas is this, in a slum, in a rat hole, not even in a hotel, not even in a room, in a stable, in an animal's feeding trough, the most exalted king, the master of the universe, who lives in an absolute paradise palace with the most glorious, exalted company. It's like, don't you want to hang out with the greatest company? I want to hang out with, with Larry Bird, one of the greatest basketball. If I could choose my dinner table, Larry Bird. <laughs> I have certain political heroes. I have certain intellectual heroes. I have certain spiritual heroes. That's the people I want in my company. Jesus' company, before he ended up in the slum, was... God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. That was his dinner party all the time. Nobody is a jerk. Nobody is an a-hole showed up spewing out garbage out of his mouth with all his pride. And there he is. Humility, obedience. And that's not the, but it didn't just end there. Every day, he's hanging out with prideful, horrifically insecure people, spewing out garbage out of their mouth and cynicism and works righteousness. At very times, works righteousness, a lazy, a lazy selfishness. That's just all he sees all around him all the time. He's in the most horrifically disgusting spiritual slum every day. But for you, and me, he obeyed. What was his father's will? Son, serve him. Love her. Be patient with him. And then ultimately, pay for their sin. That's what Jesus did. And thus, God lifted him up. I don't know about you. I don't think it's wrong to want to be lifted up in life. But it's wrong to be lifted up in life on pride. If you want God to bestow upon you that wondrous exaltation, run with Jesus to humility, obedience. You will live a truly, truly incredible and great life. I mean, you get before all the people up there in the new heavens and new earth, they're going to just run to you, embrace you. As a great person, great like Jesus, humble like Jesus, holy like Jesus, obedient like Jesus. Let's pray and go to the Lord's table.
We have so many nasty things on our face, chief of which is our pride. Comes out in resentment, entitlement, selfishness, insecurity, laziness, hatred, unforgiveness, all manifestations of the me pride cancer. But thank you, Jesus that though you are equal with God, you are God. You gave us the true likeness of God. You became a new Adam so that a glorious salvation could be worked out of our hearts, out of our lives. Would you call forth now, your spirit, touch us now, move us now, to run to our Savior the way he has served us, his obedience in our place, his humility interceding for us, his, his servanthood serving us. And so because of him, and trusting that, Father, you're at work, we would run to the heavy boxes. We would obey and not walk away from the mirror. You would make us a people that runs to obedience. I pray for our, our gospel life groups, our gospel life families. Would they be brimming with excitement and profound love and joy so that people go, what is going on there? Cynical people, works righteousness people, spiritually lazy, selfish people, which we all are in varying degrees would go to our GLFs not because they have to, because they get to. They just can't, what is going on there? I pray that you would turn us into a glorious family with a new humanity spilling out of us. It can only happen in and through Jesus because God is at work. Make us a people working out, running to obedience because we trust this word today that God is at work. Jesus' name.